Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch your goal business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this special episode, I'm going solo again to share my rules of the road or my lessons learned from the Cases and New Ventures class at USC Marshall School of Business from Professor Stephen Mednick, who has guest speakers come in every single week to share their insights into launching businesses, growing businesses, or selling businesses. And in this episode, I'll go through what it takes to start a business, what it takes to grow the business, sell it in the end, and also a recipe for success or five different traits of entrepreneurs learn from these different guest speakers we've had in class every single week. So let's dive in. The recipe for success. If we're cooking up a successful entrepreneur, what are some traits of them? What would that actually look like? First part is self-awareness. You have to be able to leverage your strengths and understand who you are and what are what makes you uniquely capable of running a business. This was echoed by a few of our different speakers in class, especially Michael Cato, who's co-founder and CEO of Restaurants on the Run. Also, Doug Pearson as well. He mentioned the same type of thing, starting with self-awareness. Entrepreneurs need to understand what they want, what kind of business they want to create first before anything else. Second is optimism. Steve Myers mentioned this specifically, but you have to have a high level of optimism as an entrepreneur, especially because of all the different things you're gonna go through in trying to grow a business. If you're not optimistic, it's it's gonna be very difficult to do so. And sure, you need a level of, of pes- pessimism in order to understand that yes, certain things are not gonna work out and you have to be skeptical at the same time, but you need that optimism to be able to figure out a way to get things done. Third thing is adaptability. This was echoed by many speakers, but uh, specifically Vanessa Du, the co-founder of Health Aid Kombucha, she exemplified this idea of being adaptable and repeatedly had to find workarounds in her business to make up for the lack of experience, which is something that many entrepreneurs have when they start a business, when they first start a business at least, they don't have the experience they need to actually do this, and they're trying to do this new venture and you have to start somewhere, so you need to be able to be adaptable to make things happen. Mark Friedman, who is the founder and CEO of Perfect Fitness, uh, he showcased this as well, being able to negotiate prices for his products and even get like product photos for like an amazing price because he was adaptable. Uh, and then finally, Rod Deerfield, Dairyfield, I should say, from EnviroCooler, demonstrated this ability as well, pivoting his whole entire company from really going the R&D route giving patents to protect his company, to then focusing more on uh, an actual solutions-focused company and building products that solved those problems. The fourth thing is willingness to seek help. Entrepreneurship can be very lonely, and it's difficult to build a business if you are all on your own, not getting input from others, not getting help from others. And really, this fourth thing is all about being willing to seek help. So all entrepreneurs, and they need help in one way or another. And what these speakers we've had in class have mentioned repeatedly is how they've gotten help, whether it be help with fundraising, help to actually grow the business itself, getting legal advice. There's so many different things you need along the way. But as an entrepreneur, one of the traits you need to succeed is really that willingness to seek help. And and finally, the fifth trait, which there could be literally thousands of traits of entrepreneurs, but one of the most important ones, I think, as well is hustle. Vanessa Du also mentioned this. You have to be able to hustle again and again and again and able to grow in order to grow an adventure. And this is something that every entrepreneur has some level of this. And it's so important because you're just going to have to find a way to get things done. 
there's no way around it. And it takes a lot of hustle to be able to do that. It takes a lot of effort, willing to, you know, essentially run through walls to make things happen. And this trait is could be, I would say, actually one of the most important traits of an entrepreneur is that hustle or like that grit to be able to get things done. Next, I'm going to go through creating the actual venture itself and some key components of that, some key insights from these speakers, starting with the idea. Now, in finding ideas, there are many, many ideas out there, but one of the most important things I learned is from Frank Yang from Simple Human, who mentioned that you have to understand what core technologies are out there and how you can apply these core technologies to your business. And so with Simple Human, they make products for humans that are incredibly user-centric, and it's not that they're creating new technologies completely, but they're combining technologies in a way that makes the customer's life easy. And in thinking of ideas, it's not that you have to think of literally a brand new technology, but how can you leverage core technologies that are already out there, combine them in different ways to be able to then actually make products. And this really starts with understanding what potentially your your customers would want. And one other thing around this idea phase with from Frank was looking at what retailers might want from products. So what products are they missing from kind of their product mix? Which ones are selling? Which products could you potentially make better? And there's so many opportunities for businesses that could be created out of that. Furthermore, in terms of the whole business model around starting ventures in the first place, one thing to think about is it's not just that you have to have your own idea. You could also buy a business, something I learned from Doug, uh, who came into class and he actually bought a company and this process, though, can take a very, very long time, anywhere from like, I mean, honestly, it could take years. And Doug took almost, I think, a year and a half or two years to actually be able to find the company, going through the whole process of looking at potential companies, understanding what you want from a company, and then actually getting the deal done. And kind of on that same vein of a business model of whether you want to start your own company, buy a company. There's also the idea of franchising, which is something uh, Carrie from Pure Bar mentioned about she was actually forced into franchising, but franchising is another route to go with your business, thinking about how this could be a potential business model for you when you're thinking of ideas for your company in the first place. Another thing of this kind of early on idea phase of a company, something to think about is to make sure that you have separation from your current company that you're working at. So the separation needs to be very clear. You don't want the current company you're working at to own the IP or somehow have leverage on you as you're building your own business on the side. So if you're a full-time employee now and bu building your company at night, in the morning, whatever it may be, you wanna make sure you have clear separation and document that process. This is something that Bart Greenberg mentioned. And to, you just need to do that so you can kind of cover your bases and make sure, that, again, that IP is not taken by the, the other company, which would be a horrible thing as you're starting a business. So just make sure you don't use any company time don't use any of your company products uh, or services to build your idea because uh, you will run into many issues. And on that same note, legal. Getting legal issue, legal in place is, is incredibly important. And that kind of starts with just having the agreements early on with each of your co-founders, understanding what people's roles are, what their role in the company is, and like what the actual responsibilities of them are going to be and who owns what of the company. And furthermore, if you're doing consulting agreements with people, you need to have those in place beforehand. So you have a clear idea of who does what. Another thing to understand is the person who invents the technology, they're going to own the technology unless there's a written agreement that says otherwise. Again, this is insight from Bart, you need to have that in place. So having that in place of 
understanding that okay, the technology they're working on, they're building, is part of your company. It's not that it's theirs. That could be a lot of issues with that as well. And as I mentioned, the ownership equity and understanding how that's going to actually get diluted is another thing to understand. Now, of course, when you're starting a business, a lot of times you're going to need capital. You're going to need you're going to need some type of investment for this business. And when you're looking for investors, if at all possible, try to get strategic investors that have experience, expertise that can help you along the way. Vanessa Du for HealthAid had investors that already had experience in the beverage and beverage specific uh, space, I should say. So their investors were investing in beverage companies and they were founders and operators themselves before they became investors. So clearly there was a big value add from those particular investors. And this really helped Vanessa along the way as she's grown Health Aid Kombucha into this massive $100 million plus dollar revenue company, which is absolutely insane. Another thing to think about in the beginning product here, product creation phase of starting a business in the first place is thinking about the product itself. And one of the questions that Frank Yang mentioned was, is it good enough to take home? So you're building this products, you're thinking about products and services, but then you're eventually we get to the point where you're developing the product. Is it even good enough to take home? Like, would you take home your own product? And it's something really important to understand. And related to that same thing on the product side, is the manufacturing able to actually build the product you want to create? Because there's a lot of times where the manufacturing is not always aligned with the design of the product itself. And this is something just to take to take note of and be aware of that the manufacturing, they may not be able to actually make the product in terms of the design that you want. So look into that beforehand and make sure that they can actually build what you want. And that's all the kind of beginning phases, the, the very early stages of a company. Now, as you grow your business, I'm going to go through a few key insights here. One of them is partnerships. There's so many ways where you can leverage partnerships to grow your business. If you look at Vanessa Dew with HealthAid, her partnerships were just literally getting into big grocery chains, and that was incredibly important. Also, you can have partnerships related to not just distribution, uh, but partnerships in terms of promotion as well. So can you partner with other companies? That's an insight that was gleaned from this class. And through that point too, building a strong brand. So if you have a strong brand, that gives you more leverage with these partnerships potentially. That's something, again, going back to HealthAid, was they had such a strong brand, which gave them leverage in negotiating with these partners to get them in different distribution outlets. And so if you can build a strong brand as you're growing your business, that will literally just give you leverage in everything you do. And how you can do that depends on what your unique product is. Uh, one of the things mentioned with HealthAid was their relentless focus on quality at all times. Like everything they do is focused on quality. They brew this small batch kombucha and it's 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 tremendously focused on quality and everything they do. I mean, even at the scale they're doing it now, they have you know thousands of jars of kombucha. They're still doing these like two and a half gallon jars, I think, of kombucha, which is insane. Another thing, as you're growing your business, is to really focus on the customer. And so, are you focusing on the customer and their needs and actually serving their needs as your business grows? Are you listening to this customer feedback you get? So Frank Yang mentioned that he really focuses on the focuses on the customer, not necessarily the competition. And sure, you're gonna have an eye on the competition. That's that's undoubtedly gonna happen. But if you can focus on the customer and what their needs are, 
you're not as much focused on what the competitors are doing. You're just trying to serve the customer in the best way possible. And when you do this, you also are able to get word of mouth. Something Carrie from Pure Bar was able to do with her business, they always grow, they always grew super fast. And that was literally through word of mouth that was developed from having a strong brand and pure bar, and people loved the product. As you're scaling your business, one thing too is to recognize that you're gonna need a roadmap for future planning, a roadmap for what the next steps are gonna be in your business. One thing that Vanessa mentioned as well was that you know having a warehouse, building a warehouse is as your business grows, so you understand like this is gonna to have to happen as we're growing, we're seeing the numbers here, but we're aware of the roadmap we need to follow in order to grow. Another thing is from uh, from Stephen Myers was being strategic and methodical as you scale this business. So every move you make, every single decision you make has to be strategic towards the business and thinking of the future growth of the business. And as you grow your business too, you have different products and services. One thing I found from Frank Yang that was important was knowing which products to drop through online reviews. So if you look at the online reviews of your products, the ones that are not performing well, those are products you just might want to drop and focus on the other ones that are performing well, are performing adequately. And that was something that, again, Frank Yang mentioned from Simple Human. And along the way of this, this growth process, you've started your business, you've launched it, you've got customers, you're growing. One of the potential problems, something I've, I didn't really think about it much until we had this class was was with Vanessa doing a health aid kombucha again. I'm going to bring her up over and over again because she was one of the, I think, the best speakers we've had. Uh, is really growing too fast. And in many ways, it seems like a good problem to have, right? Like too much growth. Oh, how is that a problem? Like we, we obviously didn't have customers that are, have these needs, but growing too fast can be a challenge because as you're going through this, it can cause things, systems to break, can cause relationships to sour, you know, relationships with your customers as well as distributors. And like they weren't able, I think, to necessarily at that time uh, actually distribute all the product they had allotted to different customers, uh, different retail partners because of their insane growth. So they were not able to keep up. And that can really be detrimental to a company, something that you need to consider along the way as your business grows and scales up. And going through that process and understanding growth really goes back to that self-awareness piece that I mentioned in the beginning, that if you understand that your goal of your business, is it to be the biggest business possible? Is it to really impact as many lives as you can? Then growth, you figure it out and you find ways to continue to grow. And if you're okay with having a, maybe a smaller business, more controllable, then you don't have to grow as fast, then it's a little bit more manageable, but also then competition could potentially pass you up. So it really has to, you have to think of from the self-awareness side of things in the beginning and then kind of go from there. When it comes to exiting your business, how do you get out of this business if you want to? What does this even look like? Looking to sell the business, we had insights from Lloyd Greif, which was, which was incredible to have. And one of the things when kind of selling a business or looking to potentially exit is it's more than just optimizing price. You're also looking at, can you have job security for your employees? Can you have really getting the best terms possible? And are you able to retain that corporate identity and culture when you sell a business? These were incredibly important. One other thing on that specifically is timing is going to be critical in the exit. And when you're timing the sale of a business, 
you're looking at the market trends. So how good is this? You know, how good is the economy as a whole? Also look into the industry itself. So is your specific industry, how well is it performing? Is it performing better than the market? And on the company life cycle, you want to be in the mid to late growth stage to really get the most money for your company. And obviously, the last part of that is to have a well-performing company. So when you have a great market, your industry is performing well, and then also your company is performing well, you're going to get the best terms and the best price for your company. Another insight from it on that note of selling a company or exiting is really just how you position the company for sale matters a ton. And Lloyd Greif mentioned that one of the companies he had worked with, just like he positioned it more as like a natural food company, not a supermarket, in order to get a higher value for the deal. And even through this process, mentioning how potentially some businesses can sell for really like double what they potentially would have before if you have the right investment bank, if you have the right people helping you to sell this business, you can really get a lot of value from it. And that comes down to that that positioning state uh, piece of it. One thing you're looking for too, as you go through that process of selling, related to mergers, if you're merging with another company, are there revenue synergies? Are there cost saving synergies? The ones that are worth a lot more are gonna be those revenue synergies because they have unlimited upside. And that's something you wanna look for as well. If you're looking at exiting and selling a business, the business you're gonna go into, if you can have revenue synergies, more upside, again, more value for your company. Another thing is bringing multiple buyers to the table so you can drive up the price for your company. And that is just to get the best possible price you can, the best possible terms, bringing multiple buyers to the table, not necessarily making sure they understand who the buyers are, but knowing that there are other people at the table, again, just getting the most value you possibly can for your business. Now that is the sale of the company. I've gone through the growth phase, the early stage starting this business and even started with in the beginning, who are these entrepreneurs? What are the traits of these entrepreneurs? Finally, a few just additional nuggets from the rules of the road, as it were, is to really understand the legalities of your business. I touched on this a little bit, but how does your business run? What are the legalities of your business and how it operates? Understanding them as you go through this process is important. You can get help with this, of course, but that's something that was incredibly important. One more thing is patents are very expensive. So if you're going to go the route of patents and patent protection, that is incredibly difficult process to go through and very expensive. And finally, just the last thing I'll leave you with in these rules of the road, it takes time to figure out what your inspired life purpose is. But that will guide you along the way in building businesses and building your company. And even if it takes time, that's okay. You'll eventually figure out what that is. And that will drive you as you go forward building your venture. Thank you so much for listening. And Professor Mednick, thank you for a great class filled with amazing guest speakers each week. I hope everyone found this useful. Have a great day. I will talk to you in the next episode.